We are Science Fiction Revenant, a podcast for sci-fi lovers spanning across books, movies, TV shows, and games. This is Season 1, Episode 26, Movie 1984, Dune, for November 21st, 2020. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Science Fiction Remnant. Thank you so much for coming back. This means a lot to us. We hope that you find this episode as exciting to listen to as it was for us to create for you. If you like the show and know someone who might like this podcast, please share it. It would help us greatly in growing this channel. You can also follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Remnant and share any comments you have about this podcast with your friends and families. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another show. Uh, we are discussing the movie Dune. A classic. Uh, yeah. This uh, movie released in December 14, 1984. Uh, it cost 70... Uh, I'm sorry, it cost $45 million, but... Uh, it made uh, $76 million in the box office. That's not such a big return, actually. And it's such a good movie, actually. Yeah, this this one is a total uh, classic. Um, the When the movie came out for the first time, and this is something that we were discussing, um, that movie was actually around three hours long. So I the one that we saw was actually the one that is two hours long. Um, I, I'm still looking for that one. The quest for the extended version. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, to, to be honest, I mean, I guess you can call it extended now. Um, when, if you get, if you were one of the lucky ones to see this at the theaters in 1984, um, for you, this was the movie. So after you see what's available now, which is, you know, two hours, uh, uh, about two hours long, it, it, it kind of feels um, like you're watching a short, a short version of that movie. Yeah, and, and, and until you pointed out, I didn't really realize, but there's some parts that they definitely look like they're cut. Yeah, I, and, and you know, this is my, and I don't know if you agree with this, but this is why I perceived when I was watching the movie, you know, the beginning, obviously, and the midsection of the movie, all throughout, it feels that it flows naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, when they get to the like the end, uh, where the main battle happens, and, and we'll discuss this uh, uh, with better detail, um, it, it feels like it was like there's missing parts that we don't get to see. Mm-hmm. It, it, what, what was your reaction? I mean, I know you didn't notice because obviously you you know you don't have a point of reference. But after I pointed it out, well, after you pointed it out, it makes sense because you have the princess which narrates some parts of the movie as it progresses, mm-hmm. and the transition in between scenes wouldn't make sense at all if they didn't have the narration. So it makes sense that you tell me that it's cut. And this narration probably is just what softened that hard transition from scene to scene. Yeah. So now you would probably agree with me when I say this, but even though it's, you know, about an hour cut from the movie, right? Um, the movie, it doesn't actually take away from the movie. No. At all. I, I feel that if, you, um, if you're lucky enough to find 
or or some somehow view the original cut um, of this movie, it, it would just be a nice experience. But I don't think it would cut away from how good this movie is. I do believe it. I actually agree with you. Uh, I think the movie was great. Uh, I think it was beyond its time. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Oh, definitely it was. And it was very, very well made. I, like, I love the content of the movie. I love the storyline of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, let me ask you a question, because I'm kind of curious about this. Okay. Do you consider this movie to be... And, and I know, I don't know if you've ever seen it, you even knew what this movie was prior to me mentioning it. Um, do you consider this movie to be a good sci-fi movie, an okay sci-fi movie, an awesome sci-fi movie? I mean, what was your, your opinion after you finished watching it for the first time? Honestly, when you watch this movie, it makes you feel like this is some of those movies that helped uh, build up what science fiction as a genre of movie is today. That's how good it is. Okay, so I'm going to say this, and, and let me see what your reaction is. Writer and director, David Lynch, he was quoted saying that this movie was the only failure in his career. Wow. <laughs> he, um, He's too hard on himself. I don't know. Whether, I mean... I, Maybe he's... Is he a science fiction uh, movie director? And no, he's he's a writer and director of Dune. But like, did he make a lot more science fiction movies besides Dune? Well, let me put it this way, just so, so put it in perspective. Um, he turned down Star Wars Episode Four: Return of the Jedi in 1984 to direct this movie, uh, telling George Lucas, "It's your thing; it's not my thing." Oh, uh, so probably he regrets that opportunity over Dune. But I think that Dune is great too. And, and, and uh, I guess until this, I don't know, actually, but I heard the last I heard uh, is that he refuses to revisit this movie because it's too painful of an experience. <laughs> now, that brings, you know, to light the different perceptions, because everyone that I know that have seen this movie thinks this movie is amazing. It is. It is. And here's the funny thing. Just like many other good science fiction movies that we watch, they can make actually like a series out of this movie. Or they could make sequels out of this movie. Mm -hmm. There's so much content there is in the story and the books. And I want to say to the listeners, okay, there's tons of books out there. This episode, we're just concentrating, concentrating only on the movie. But... Yes, to, to your point, there's so much content, and even in the first book by itself. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe later on we can do an episode on the book. Um, it, when you read that book and you watch this movie for the second time, it feels uh, like you're inside the characters' heads. Now, don't get me wrong, the movie does a better job at this the many other movies I've seen. Mm -hmm. And that becomes apparent, and actually, kind of like a joke on your end, Giancarlos, when you're saying about the whispers in the movie. Yeah. Every time that they think something, instead of, like, just showing, like any other regular movie where they just show the voice of the person, but there's no mouth moving, like, it's a thought. Here is a whisper every time. But here's the thing. Most movies, and even within the sci-fi genre, 
most movies just try to show you what the character is thinking yeah. by, by, you know, like action. You know, that you don't get to hear the words. Uh, I, I know, and like I said, most movies, some movies do. But this movie, I think, does a better job at... Taking you, you inside the head of the character. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it, kind of like, a, like an attempt to what a book or reading a story in a book mm-hmm. does when you read it. Um, I mean, what, what, what do you think? I mean, I know it's, it's kind of like a joke when you first... Because, I mean, was this the first movie you, you ever seen where they do that technique? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's true. But, but I think I made fun of it and everything, but it's not... It's a bad thing. I think it's a... It even feels like a signature to the movie. Because mm-hmm. if you think about it, I don't think that there's many, many other movies where you have this kind of whispering that actually depicts the thought of the characters. Right? Yeah. yeah. It, and like I said, I mean, this one, and I'm sure, I can't think of one movie off the top of my head right now. Um, but to me, this is the one movie that does a better job at that attempt to get you inside the character's head. Absolutely. I do believe that. And, and, and I know if you're not used to it, you're probably going to have the same experience that Giancarlo's had. It's yeah, of, you can have your fun with it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So this movie is about um, a galactic future where there's, um, it's actually controlled by something called Spice Menage. And uh, this spice is only, is coming only from one planet. Arrakis. Arrakis. And which is also called Dune because, you know, when you look at this planet, there's not a drop of water. It's just desert. It's just desert. It's just dunes after dunes after dunes. Um, so... That's, you know, in, in my opinion, that's a great name for this planet because that's all you see. Mm-hmm. Um, and go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to make a parenthesis there. Every time that somebody will mention the movie, I will get confused because I will be thinking that people were mentioning actually Doom, the movie, <laughs> not Dune, because I never knew about this movie before. Wasn't that another episode that we were talking? And- we're talking with, with our friends, Let's Chat. And he mentioned Dune, and I'm thinking it's Doom. So I actually, yeah, no, if it's not the one with the rock, <laughs> I don't know which one you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Uh, I don't know if you guys uh, got to uh, check us out. We, we actually appeared on Let's Chat um, a live. Um, it was live on uh, Facebook, and it, I think it was also on YouTube. Um, and, you know, for all of you who like to get to know us a little better, um, I recommend you go uh, watch us there. But, yeah, in that conversation, um, this movie came up. Um, and, and I thought it was a great idea because, I obviously, Giancarlo had never seen this movie before because yeah. he was commenting about Doom, which, uh, to be honest with you, it was a really big disappointment for me because I really liked the game, Doom. Uh, the movie was fun. The movie was fun. Um, I, I I have mixed emotions. Yeah, it's not epic, you know? Yeah. I, I'll yeah. give you that much. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, the, the, this, the, the, the movie is, um, it's a great, I want to say iconic. I, I don't think, I mean, I'm thinking, but I don't think there's any other movie that can capture 
or, or can do what this movie has done within the sci-fi genre? Well, what do you think? I mean, I know you haven't seen as many as I've seen, but out of all the sci-fi movies you have seen, the, the, the visual effects... Uh, and, you know, another thing, too, this is a 1984 production, which is not far off, but uh, the, these, this movie has a very refreshing look at a utopian future. It does, and the funny thing I find kind of interesting, like the appearances, like you have kind of a baroque image mm-hmm. of the of the imperial or the royal families. So when you're looking like at the decoration and like the structures, mm-hmm. it, it looks it looks kind of like the castles in the 1600s. Yeah, but yeah. with a mixture of modern future, you know. I think that they did a great creative job on the surroundings, the races, everything. You get a feeling of, you know, I don't know, like roughing it, kind of. Um, especially, you know, it, it, not so much for uh, royal families uh, in in this movie. But I mean, what do you think? I mean, obviously, I mean, when you look at the emperor's palace, where it's all gold. But at the same time, it's a freaking pyramid. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so like, like they still stay to like the classic touch of like, I mean, you can see human traces all over the place. Yes. Even though there's no earth around it. Yeah. So going back to my explanation, um, this is a galaxy that is controlled by spice. Um, now, it's an entire galaxy with multiple planets, although they only discuss the major planets which are taking part. Uh, one is controlled by House Atreides, and the other one is controlled by House um, Harkonnen. And you have also the planet for the Emperor, which, who controls the entire galaxy. So if you think about it, one single planet in the entire galaxy has basically the grasp of the entire galaxy because of spice. And I don't know if you if you've never seen this movie, spice is is very it has more importance than gold and water. Especially Gosh. in here the control the, the the water is the valuable um material or you know liquid. Now spice is more valuable than water because uh, spice does a couple of things. Uh, n- number one the uh, the pilots, the travelers, over centuries and centuries, they mutated to become this kind of like grotesque animals. I don't know if you realize this, but this is what happened where generations after generations after generations consumed the spice because these pilots, uh, with, with the spice, they're able to fold space-time to the point where they can, like they said in the movie, travel vast distances within the galaxy um, without moving at all. Drugs. It's right. <laughs> oh, see? You guys got my thoughts. Just like in the movie. <laughs> yeah, but like, and it's kind of curious to see like these creatures that they, that they show, like, they, they did a good job also creating grotesque characters yes oh my god <laughs> the, the, the harkonnen varen i remember when i first saw this movie for the first time um it is 
really hard for me at least i don't know if you I, i like to hear from you guys too but for me it was really hard to look at this guy he his face was full of pus yeah it's like cringy and it, a sight <laughs> yeah i mean the first the first um uh scene that we see the varon um was particularly hard for me to watch because apparently they have this i don't know if you want to call it doctor um tending to his boils in his face and you see how the they're draining a combination blood slash pus yeah and this guy is just rubbing his face saying how beautiful he is oh my god <laughs> jesus christ this is disgusting ah uh, yeah yeah but i mean it, it's it, it that's what i'm talking about i mean this guy doesn't even look that way so the the picture this this movie paints it, it in my opinion um is basically the reason why i love sci-fi movies to mm -hmm. me sci-fi movies are an escape a mental vacation from a day-to-day -day life from reality from reality we have so much drama we have so much stress and for me there's nothing better than sitting down and watch a really good sci-fi movie or read a book sci-fi that takes me away to this complete different world mm -hmm. from a complete complete departure so this movie to me it does that i mean i don't know what what do you think out of i mean there's a lot of movies that do this but i think this one does a really good job at it it did actually it, it did the way that they portray the the other worlds i think that they did a great job on that too mm -hmm. and and it leaves you even wondering what's beyond what is shown on the movie you know like it, it leaves you with the desire of like knowing how everything really is in that universe that is portrayed on the movie yeah yeah so going back to what i was saying about the spice um the spice that's why it's so important without spice we uh that world that that reality will not have mm -hmm. um space travel and as you know space travel just like travel in general especially and and at the beginning of our civilization was very important because you know like if you go back to the times where we started having ships you know from continent to continent that's how countries were able to you know be rich their you know exchange of mm -hmm. merchandise and and the same thing applies for this galaxy where you would need to travel from one place to another to sell your product and maybe make your planet or you know your country you know rich or richer than another um so that's why it's so important without spice you don't you wouldn't have that so civilizations might might fall and another thing is since we all know what happens to the pilots they used to spice over generations and generations mm -hmm. they mutated to this weird grotesque almost warm looking you know with eyes human eyes and the slip for a mouth that only <laughs> the, it's only used they don't even uh they don't even talk in in uh, like, like normal humans would talk um they need some sort of translator to uh talk between the, the two of them yeah they sound like burpings continuously yeah so when 
a human takes spice. Um, you could have little visions of, you know, it's kind of like an acid trip, but, <laughs> but a vision, kind of like a vision of the future slightly. Mm-hmm. So now we know, you know, spice is very important. And this planet, Arrakis or Dune, is very important to the entire galaxy to the point where we have uh, between um, the House Harkonnen and Atreides fighting for this dominance of this planet. Yeah. So there was a prophecy um, told by the high, uh, I think, high priestess. Yeah. Where someone will come and it will free Arrakis. And as you can see, the high, uh, the high priestess is on the side of the, um, the Galactic Empire, uh, yeah. the, the Emperor. So at the beginning of the movie, we are met with the, I guess you want to call it the Pilot's Guild. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, by the way, I don't know if you see those, those humans that brought in that case where the pilot is at. Um, you see the, the, what they had on? Like the thing that was coming off the, of their, their brain and going inside their nose? No, no, the black thing. That, yeah. That's it was actually, like trash plastic bags. <clears throat> that's actually body bags. Body bags? <laughs> they found Close it, enough. They found it on a fire station. Uh, but, you know, in that scene, it, we know how, how important spice is. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, we have now the pilots, uh, let's call it that, it's pilots killed, coming to the emperor and saying, <clears throat> you know, um, we know who, who this, this guy is going to cause trouble for us. You know, it's Paul Atreides, mm-hmm. and we want him dead. But then he said, okay, I was never here. You never heard this. And, and, and left. Yeah, it's like, you know what you got to do, but there's no record of this, okay? Exactly. So, I mean, we know how important this is. Now, all, everybody's, I think, and, and tell me what you think. I think the only people they might not have a true idea of what's actually happening was House Harkonnen and the Baron. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, obviously the, the, the Emperor, because of the High Priestess, um, the Pilot's Guild, the pilot, can actually see through, because of the spice, uh, kind of like the future. So... It is understandable why he would come into the emperor to tell him, "Hey, look, we need to kill this guy. He's going to cause trouble for us." Mm-hmm. They need to make sure spice flows free. I mean, they depend on it practically. Yeah, and, and the sole mission of the Farron is the name of the warrior race of oh, the Farron. Yeah, I mean, the, the the main mission of the Farron is to basically stop to a, a zero. The production of it. Well, yeah, and, and I, I kind of felt at the beginning of the movie, I kind of felt bad for them because they're going invasion after invasion. Um, House, I guess in the beginning of the movie, um, House Harkonnen had control and Atreides was able to pull them back. So we're, at the beginning, we're seeing how um, the House Atreides is moving to Arrakis. We're a small packet of resistance from House Harkonnen. In mm-hmm. Arrakis. Now, I feel bad for the inhabitants of Arrakis because they're just being, you know, 
for years now, up to this beginning of this movie, they just, they're killing them. You know, they're, they're just taking on the planet because they need the spice. Yeah, and the Farron leave, like, in, what, in refuge, hiding yeah. all their rocks and stuff? Like a secret society? Exactly. Now, um, I mean, they, they lived in this planet for so long, so, such a long time. So, I don't know if you heard Duncan telling Paul that he thinks that these people are the true allies yeah. in their war. Because he got a hold of, I guess, some information that says that they are in vast numbers. And it's kind of, uh, it's, it's not hard to believe because, I mean, this is a big, huge planet. And they're just going to a small section of it. And, and it is apparent because um, when you hear Paul talk about how there's a small area of this, I mean, there's, a, there's this area on this planet that is kind of forbidden. Mm, okay. So, you know, uh, yeah, that, that, that would be, and it becomes apparent later on that, yes, he was true. Um, I, and I wonder, you know, did he have a spy with them? And, and it's apparent that his plan was to eventually uh, become allies with the Farron. Wow. And another thing that I found interesting is, which we haven't spoke about, is the giant worms. Yes. And there's, there's kind of a, I don't, I'm not sure, maybe in the extended person they say it, but they never directly answer what's the exact correlation between the earthworms and the spies. Yes. Yes. They don't really, really answer that question. And Paul actually asked him, his, like he asked himself that like maybe three times, four times during the movie. Yes, yes. Now, it, he, he eventually, I mean, I'm, I'm sure if you read the book, you'll get a lot more information Probably. into that. But um, at the end of the movie, we are met with a comment from Paul after he has awakened, saying the... Spice are the spice is the worm, the worm is the spice. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's uh, do that you think that the spice comes from the worm? Well, and, and you, when they were escaping, I mean, this is and, and we're kind of jumping around here, but when um, Harkon, the, the house Harkonnen came to the planet and they're completely annihilated, you know, they, they killed everyone, well, not everyone, but they. But they decimated they, them. They decimated the House of Traders. Um, and they took Paul and his mother, which is, I guess, um, kind of witch. It was trained by the, um, the high priestess. Mm -hmm. um, they were actually pushed away into the desert to die. And they, in, in, in this trip, you know, they were able to escape from their guards, uh, thanks to her, uh, his mother's ability to use the voice. Yeah. It reminds me a little of the, uh, of the, um, the Jedi Force, Control mm -hmm. Mind. <laughs> yeah. They call it the voice, and it's, it's an ability that supposedly only, um, you know, witches have of saying a suggestive sentence in a specific voice that controls uh, the other person. 
So because of uh, Paul is um, her son, which, by the way, she was commanded to have only daughters. Yeah. And, and the high priestess was pissed off at her because she had a boy. Exactly. And I, I think that has a lot to do with the fact that, you know, they're witches and they need to continue the line. So now she has a son. And I would like to think that inherits the witch's quality. So between, you know, this is when, when Paul and, and their escape from their captors, this is when Paul discovers a little bit of his power. Um, as being the son of a witch, where he tries to use the voice. The first time he failed, the second time he managed to tell the guy, okay, take uh, my mother's bond, um, or, 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 you know, from her mouth, right? Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's it. But he uses the voice too. Yeah, he, he just learned to use the voice there. He didn't know. He's like a prodigy, right? Like stuff that people have to train for years, he just knows how to do it. Exactly. I mean, it's, it, when they first got to Arrakis, they, they were showing him how to use the suits. You know, as you know, there's no water in Arrakis. So the suit is very important to everyone. Hence, no visible water. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and, and we can agree that it hasn't rained. It doesn't rain at all in Arrakis. Mm-hmm. So when this guy is going through his father, he's showing his father how to use the suit. You know, this is for that, this is for that, which is kind of like an amazing spacesuit, if you think about it. That would be the dream for NASA. To, <laughs> this, thing, <laughs> this thing captures humanity. It doesn't let it escape. And he processes it. Um, not only are you able to go to the bathroom in it, and he process it. it. You can also, um, you know, pee in it. Yep. And he process it. Yep. And, and, and it has a, it's an intricate uh, network of filtration uh, through the, the entire body. That it, it, it produces, it, it helps you with oxygen. It gives you water, it, everything. Um, you can have this thing connect to your nose and have oxygen produced by your own body it's kind of like a complete recycle yeah it's, it's like it makes your body completely autonomous yeah so uh, my point in saying this is when this guy was training his father you know he had to tell him okay oh now he knows how to do it now he goes to paul and it's like have you been to the desert planet before it's mm-hmm. like no it's like this suit is um actually prepared for um uh desert um travel so i guess there's different types that you can prepare to suit they were going into the desert so not only does he knows exactly how to prepare the suit but he knows how to prepare it for the mission they're doing mm-hmm. and the guy was looking at him it's like prophecy uh, that's what yeah, he literally said yeah i mean <laughs> the whole, this is incredible. I mean, he doesn't. He asked him, "I'd be like, have you ever done it?" He's like, "No, I never." I, it just seems the proper way to do it. Exactly, exactly. So, going back to the initial comment that I was saying, where they escaped their, you know, because of the voice, they're able to kill their captors on their escape from, you know, into the into the desert and uh, the, mo- the mom used the voice he used the voice he learned how to use the voice there um, there are 
running through the desert, uh, and they're chased by a worm, a sandworm. And when they finally reach the rocks, um, we see, you know, I guess this worm doesn't want to let him go. They go in the rocks, and he, the, this worm is just hitting the side of the rocks. He really wants to get at this too. And um, he, at that moment, he says, you smell it? There was very strong sense of spice. So that's the f- very first clue that we get uh, where, you know, we kind of always knew where, you know, the spice, there's some sort of coalition with the, with the sandworms. But here it becomes a lot more apparent when he says, okay, there's a strong sense of spice. Mm-hmm. To the point where when they are able to free themselves, because weirdly enough, someone else plays a thumper. Uh, and I don't know if you know, thumpers are this little device that you put on the, on the sand. They kind of make a s- strong vibration to call out the worms. Yeah. And apparently someone has put a thumper in the other side, and that's how the worm left them alone. And this is, I guess, w- one of my favorite parts in the movie. Because... We know, you know, he's somewhat, Paul is somewhat powerful uh, because of his birthright. At least that's my opinion. Uh, He's born from a witch. So now, the answer to my question, what happened to someone as powerful as that when they take spice? Uh, I will say that. (laughs) I mean, it could be catastrophic. The the spice enhances your your perceptions. Yeah. So So if you have a high perception already... It's going to skyrocket. Yeah. So, I mean, here we see... um, You should be able to tell me the lottery numbers for the next month, every day. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, it was awesome because because of their encounter with the sandworm, you know, they got exposed to a high quantity of spice. And Paul was just tripping. Oh, my God. Yeah. He was. He was. He was sitting down next next to his mom. His mom think it was thinking he was going crazy, because he's talking. He's having a he's waking just, vision. He's just laying down there, and he can see himself laying in a pond of water with vibrations. And he sees like a weird girl calling, you know, saying, "Tell me about your homeworld, also." And, and it's just calling him names that is not Paul. And and the second moon, and and. Oh, I'm, I'm, you're looking at this and he's oh. tripping <laughs> he, he's also he probably wants to go to a concert so he's seeing Sting as he's asleep <laughs> <laughs> yeah which by the way Sting is in this movie so uh, I don't know if you're probably aware of this but guys um, it's hilarious Sting is <laughs> hilarious here so he is it's, it's kind of like awakened somehow Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's king. And the mom, and the funny thing is, the mom doesn't, she's thinking this, you know, my son is going crazy. It's like, and he said, uh, and, and then he says, you know, you carry my sister in your, in your stomach. And that's when she freaks out. Mm-hmm. That's something they, they, no one knows. No. But, and they did, a, they did a great job depicting these things. Like, for example, when he and Jessica are escaping, his mom, 
they were aware that the that Leto, his father, was dead. Mm-hmm. He didn't have feelings. That's that's and what he was wondering what, what's happening with my feelings. But he, it was the spies working on him. He's transcending. Exactly. I mean, he, he he does understand obviously because he cries. He he kill. You know, he he yells for his father. You know, I would have your uh, your revenge, but his feelings. No, so much he actually wonders what's going on with him. Yes. He's like, where are my feelings? What's going on with me? So he's, I think this is the very first stage where we see Paul transcending into what he would become eventually mm-hmm. in his, you know, in his um, life travel. So, yeah, this scene was really, really um, good for me. Really interesting to see. And, and you know, we... That I can think, you know, I like sci-fi movies like this, that you can follow the path of a, a special, you know, of a character. Uh, another movie that I can think uh, out of the top of my head that kind of does a great job at doing this, where the, the, the reader or viewer can follow, um, you know, the entire path on this character is John Carter. Yeah. The, the books, they do a great job at that because... We see this guy that be, he starts as a prisoner, he becomes a soldier, then becomes a commander, then becomes a king, then becomes a king of kings. Mm-hmm. So th- I really like, th- you know, obviously a little on the military side, um, but I kind of like that, 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 those kind of stories. And yeah. this is one of those, uh, although not as very apparent. Um, from the movie, but a lot more appearing on the book, just kind of like John Carter. Yeah, absolutely. This is the reason why I need to read the book. You know, I know that I'm missing a lot, a lot of detail that, unfortunately, there's not enough time to put in a movie at two hours. Yes, yes. And, and that is the reason why when the movie came out on the box office, it was three, three hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, that was kind of like unheard of. I mean, I'm sure now, you know, with, especially with Star Wars now, we have movies that are, you know, either close or past that mark. But at the time, in 1984, that was unheard of. Yep. Um, so you, you have to take an intermission, you know, because people were not used to sitting down for that long of a time. Of course not. People went there to watch a movie, not to wait for the movie. <laughs> so you totally get it. So, yeah, the, 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 we follow then um, Paul. They, they discover who actually put the other thumper. They were, ab- they, they were able to um, escape. Escape from the worm. From the worm. Uh, which, by the way, you know, this worm, there must be a fascination in, in the sci-fi community with sandworms and not only that but also horror um because horror is a subgenre of sci-fi um look for example tremors tremors is i like to call a horror movie they use the sandworms you know the sandworms they eat people they eat everything eh? exactly and that's a now we have doom you know there's 1984 I think Dune is, a, I might be, I don't think I'm wrong, but I think that is the very first movie that I remember seeing where they are using space uh, sandworms in a sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder, you know, who, take, who took it from where? 
um, because we see sandworms in Star Wars as well. So, I, I don't know. That, I just found that very curious. But these things are enormous. It is. They're, they're obviously, <laughs> one of the conversations, they said they capture a baby and they were studying it. It was 125 uh, meters? Is that, that's not a baby. <laughs> no, it's not. Definitely not. So, yeah, these things are, are huge. And uh, they're very important to the production of spice. And uh, I think, let me ask you something. Uh, when, the, when the mother becomes uh, part of the crew, the, at the beginning, they were not going to take her, right? They were just going to take him. Well, I, I, I think they viewed them as, um, you know, invaders. Yeah, uh, remember this, this is No, but here's the thing. The first time that they get spotted by the uh, Farron, I think is the name of the, of the mm -hmm. warriors, yeah. to him, right away, the one that seems to be like the leader says that they will take him under his protection on the tribe, but not the mother. Yeah. Then the mother grabs him by the neck and is going to strangle him. And he's like, oh, whoa, she fights. Yeah, teach us. And, and I love how they say the word that they use for fighting. Weirding. Yes. Like, let's be weird. <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> well, what is a weirding? Is, is that an old word that means fighting or wrestling? Or is this a made up word? You know what? That's something that I'm not sure. But it, it actually plays into that that magic of watching this movie where it, it just even on the wording itself it just transports you to this complete different universe yeah um and and they they do that with with everything i mean there's and i think that's that's uh, i think that's a great thing of sci-fi writing when you're writing a story when you're writing a book when you're writing a story for a movie um to be able to do that i think is Because uh, the whole idea of sci-fi is bringing you onto this world. Yeah, that's and true. What better to bring you into a world where you can give um, what's of that world? Uh, it could be from visuals all the way to the language. That's true. That's true. So, so yeah, to go back to your point, um, they, that's when they decided to keep them. Um, because, as you know, they're being dominated by different by other planets all the time. Yeah. And they wanted to be free. They want to be free people. They don't want to be persecuted and killed like they've been doing for years. Mm. And this is what comes in part as to the, 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 the prophecy that someone will come and free Arrakis. So they see Paul and the mother and they ask Paul to train them for war. And that, this is where we first see that, in fact, they are a vast number. And because we see him at the very top of some structure on the ground, looking down at this sea of people, where he says, yes, I will train you. Give me a hundred of your best soldiers, and those will train 100, and those will train 100, mm -hmm. until eventually everybody will be trained yeah. into the art of fighting. And remember, we met at the beginning of the movie where House Atreides has dominated the art of using sound as a weapon. Uh, and yeah. we, know, we know this because at the beginning, when they were, when he was, uh, Paul was being trained, they, remember when they pulled that, that robot looking fighting thing and 
they say, okay, now you fight, and he's using his sound ability. Yeah. And, and basically what it is, they, he makes sound, and this device transforms the vibration into a weapon. And apparently, depending on what word you use, is a kind of uh, damage that you can cause. You can go anywhere from stunning and uh, um, disorienting, destroying the insides, exploding a person, all depending on how or which word you use. Now, undoubtful, the words that they use for the attacks, are they specific words that have a meaning throughout the book, or they are just like uh, composition, the random composition of words? Well, the, the words, um, and again, I'm, I'm trying to avoid anything from the, from the book. Um, from the movie, you see that it, it, let's put ourselves in this world. Let's say, for example, you're in front of Paul, and he's training you. Mm-hmm. And he gives you the device, and it says, okay, go at it. I'm kind of busy. I'm going to train someone else. Just, you know, look at that rock and do things. Mm-hmm. So, at first, what you're going to do is you're going to try different sounds, not necessarily words, and see which sounds cause more damage. And that's kind of like my point to where, if you remember from the movie, uh, when he finished that first training, someone actually used uh, Moadib as, mm-hmm. as a word, and, and he actually destroyed an entire wall. Yeah. So that's, they discover, oh. His name has power. This, his name has power. So that's true. It, 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 this, that becomes a little apparent to where you kind of would try out sounds and see what causes damage. Yeah, absolutely. And, and something that I, that I liked is uh, when he's training them, they grab this giant pillar and they describe it like the strongest rock that they have over the planet. Yes. So, I mean, I, I think it was kind of funny when he asked to like kick it, punch it. <laughs> But then he's like, shoot it and try to cut it. And then he said, the funniest thing was when he said, you know, yell at it. Yell at it, yeah. And what he says, like, crack or something? Yeah, like, break! Break! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that was, that was really funny. And then, I, it, you know, that's the first time that these people got a sense or a view of what that power of the sound can do. And mm-hmm. they all got trained not only into that, but also, uh, you know, from the mother, that the technique that it's shown that the, the then um, captain uh, at yeah, the time. The ferrets. Yeah. Now, it, it, but the funny, there's another question that I have too. I don't know if you noticed, they don't have the eyes blue all the time. Yes. Is there a specific moment that they are supposed to have the eyes blue? Well, it is my assumption, you know, based on watching this movie, there's, depending on the concentration on spice, um, we all know the spice planet, you know, it's it's full of spice. Um, And you can kind of test this theory out. Mm -hmm. But if you you watch their eyes, when they're on on top of the worms, you'll notice the eyes are bright blue. And then sometimes 
depending on how close they are or how exposed they are to the to the to the um, uh, to the spice. Now, although you don't see blue in their eyes, remember the entire planet, especially where they're at, is covered with spice. So that's why um, Paul is always that strong. Mm. Because although you don't see the, the eyes blue at a specific moment, he's still being exposed at a very small, in comparison, way to the spice. So kind of test that out. You know, watch the movie and, and, and you'll see what I'm talking about. The, um, like the correlation of the moments where the eyes get the blue and not. Exactly. And I think it's great writing to have this hero. You know, he's, he doesn't know what he will end up being, what he would do. Um, we know he's powerful, but it's kind of like a combination of the right thing at the right time in the right place. Mm -hmm. So we have the right hero, and at the beginning of the movie, who's in the wrong time at the wrong place. So now we combine the spice that already causes this to the hero that comes to this planet, but normally he would not be in. Um, and, and we have this convergence of things that create the hero that we see. I mean, what, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think, uh, what can I tell you? Uh, the, way, the way that the... The, the the whole race prepared themselves for the war and if you think about it the whole event and, and that's what i want to also find that extended version because of that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it took about three years they narrate that mm -hmm. as yeah. they are actually progressing to their mission to stop the fabrication of the spice yeah so there's a lot that i actually feel like i missed on the storyline of how he trains them uh, how he integrates himself to them, and ooh, also Sting. We haven't talked much about Sting, but <laughs> Sting, <laughs> Sting. I don't know. He was kind of funny to see in the movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know it was a big thing back then, and I think that's why the producers, um, they he was kind of like not only he actually did a good job in the movie, but I, I think mainly the reason why he showed up in the movie is for um you know, commercial purposes. Probably. Uh, we're talking about 1984 here. He was a highlight on the movie. Exactly. Right? So people, I'm sure that many people went to the theaters to see Sting. He's not an actor. Yeah, we yeah. can say that. Yeah. At least not in that movie. If he's done more movies after that, he's no, good. No, he was, and he, it becomes apparent. He, you know, he barely has any lines. So you know that it, he was just used for his name. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, although I have to say, no lines, he still acted good as a villain. Yeah. I think I, I really liked it. I enjoyed watching him. And he's, he's so funny. So I mean, he follows the line with the characters that are part of his team anyways, because they're a little bit more theatrical. Yes. yes. You know? Uh, but, I mean, it, it, was, it was funny to see him. Like, every time that I see him coming into screen, I even get a little smile. Yeah, yeah you can't <laughs> help it. And you guys, please do let us know. I mean, we have a Discord channel. I invite you guys over. Um, the the link is in our description. Reach out to me on Twitter, and you know, let's have this conversation. We yeah, we I like to hear from you guys. What what do you think about 
<clears throat> sting. If and anybody, were, if anybody knows about an extended version, you please let us oh, know. Oh, please! I'm dying to buy this. I, I got so excited. I was on Amazon and I found one, and it's PAL version, and is currently not available. <laughs> <laughs> I obviously can't have PAL because I don't have a DVD player that can play, you know, the European version. But um, if anybody knows where I can get, especially, I mean, even if it, di- you know, digital would be a plus obviously but i don't think i'm going to find a digital version of this uh, but if anybody knows of a dvd version a u.s version of the dvd that is the original three-hour version please let, let me know i'm sure i'm not the only one looking for this oh yeah i bet you're not <laughs> <laughs> so i mean we have we're at this point we're kind of halfway through his his um uh his discovery phase you know paul you know now he's called also uh as a secret name within his society and his public name becomes Muad'Dib. And that's the funny thing. The Emperor doesn't know who the heck is Muad'Dib. <laughs> yeah. And as soon as they say Paul, now he knows. Uh, so he's, he's Paul Muad'Dib. So now in the beginning of the movie, when we see Paul, he was sleeping and the high priestess that trained his mother comes in. Um, she seems very afraid. And at, one, at some point she said, this is the night that I might lose my son. Um, and, and she comes to test him. Um, now the test consists of, uh, you got to put your hand inside this box. <laughs> you cannot not put your hand inside the box because you die. That she has a little venom on a needle that she would inject you with if you don't put your hand in the box. And if you take it out too. And if you take it out also. And what's inside the box? Just like she says, pain. Lots and lots of pain. So uh, you do if you, you doom if you do, you doom if you don't. <laughs> don't look inside the box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's why you're here. Throughout the entire movie, I'm thinking about the movie. Yep. So, and, and I mean that that's that's one of the elements that really kind of get you hooked on the movie too. It's that whispering that transports you inside their heads. Yeah. But yeah, that that priestess from the beginning that I saw her, uh, she gave me a vibe like she ain't no good. You know, yeah. she didn't have good intentions. Uh, and she was going to try to be his demise. Yeah. So the, this person, uh, the, the, the witch, the, the high priestess, was actually shocked because she has never met anyone that has lasted that long with that much pain. Um, so she actually stopped the test. And apparently she was looking for someone because they wanted someone to try to take the water of life mm-hmm. they could not but if she can find someone that could that could be controlled and i'm assuming because this was not apparent from the movie but based on what she is doing throughout the movie we kind of get the sense that she's looking for someone that she can control that takes the water of life problem is you know and it, it I was as curious as Paul because he said, what, mm, people have tried and they failed? 
And she said, no, people have tried and they died. Yeah. They actually said that no man has drank the water of life and survived. Exactly. So we have another thing here because uh, going back, fast forward in, in the movie to what we were talking about, when Paul feels he's ready, because apparently the water of life um, is power, um, he decides to take the water of life. And I guess this girl, uh, Chinon, I forgot her name. Um, which, by the way, if you haven't noticed, I think she's the one from uh, from that movie we discussed in a previous episode. Um, oh, I always forget the name. Usu? Yeah, it's Usu. not the girl? No, the girl. Um, from the Harrison Ford movie. Yeah, uh, from the Blade Runner movie. Blade Runner. Her name is, uh, her name is not Usu? I think it was Chinon. Um, well, at oh, any well rate, we know who we're talking about. He's, he's Muad'Dib Carol. Yeah, so she's really afraid at this point. You know, you know, you, you no one has tried. I mean, you know, everybody that has tried has not survived. And uh, and then he says, "I have to try to become kind of like there's a possibility I can become more." And at this point, if he doesn't try it, he was going to die anyways. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like taking control of his, like, you know, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die my way. Mm-hmm. So he's taken to a desert. They tied him up. And uh, which, by the way, we haven't discussed about his, his sister being born prematurely after his mother becomes the high priestess of Arrakis. Yes. And I don't know if you knew about the ceremony. You saw this, but I don't know if you understood exactly what happened there. The previous one in this ceremony, they were taking the water of life, which is poison. Mm-hmm. So in this, you know, um, I, I don't know how you call it, you know, the, the, in this process ritual. Of, of, of a ritual, yeah, or transfer of power, the previous high priestess of Arrakis will transfer all of her knowledge to the new. Mm-hmm. And after that's done... Um, the previous one dies. The previous one dies. And they both have taken the water of life. Now, I don't think, and this is something that I would have to research, I don't know that it, this has been done to a priestess or witch that is currently pregnant. And that's the thing, I'm dubious. I'm not sure if she actually gives birth throughout the process. She she does. She was born prematurely. Because of that, you know, I mean, just remember, the water of life is poison. Mm-hmm. And a man that has taken it dies, every single one. Uh, and I think even women, it has to be a high priestess. Mm-hmm. So my question is, I don't know, because usually this process is done, and the high, the high priestess that is you know, the one that is to become the high, the high priestess uh, is, is prepared. You know, they have mm-hmm. years of preparations to, to do that ceremony. Um, obviously, there's no years of preparation here. This happens all of a sudden. She's dying. We need to get the new one. There's no re- replacement. She's the best one for the job, but she was pregnant. Yeah. So I don't think, in my opinion, this was done before. This is the very first time in this 
realm and this reality i think so that that happened that that took place yeah i think so so because of that the the sister was prematurely born but not only that she is a baby with the knowledge of a high priestess yep that is that's heavy mm-hmm. it is it's pretty crazy so and and, and later on in the movie Going back to what I was talking about, where Paul is getting ready to take their water of life, um, the power, you know, you could see this, this little girl and she talks like a grown woman. Mm-hmm. And he's taking the water of life and you could see the mother and the sister, they're apparently in pain, they're bleeding. And they're talking to each other saying, he's taking the water of life. And this is, I think, the final gate for Paul that opens up. But he connects into them. He did not die, but this is where he becomes Moadib. Mm-hmm. Where... The hand of God, that's what they call him. Yeah, he can control... As a matter of fact, they were a little scared because through this process, worms, sandworms came showed up and they surrounded them. But typically, when the sandworm, and this is just only one, shows up, they're attacking. The sandworms here, not one, they're surrounding them, all with the mouth open, but not attacking. Mm-hmm. And that's when we become apparent that Paul Modib can control the worms. Yep. And this is, oh, I got goosebumps. I mean, this is the climax of his power. I mean, what, what was your reaction when you saw that, that? I mean, I just, and again, I'm remembering when I saw it in the theaters, you know? I mean, I think it's awesome. It's kind of like an ominous moment of the movie. And it's like a, like a new, like a turning point of, of his character. Yeah. In on the whole movie. And by the time this part comes to pass, we now know that all the dreams that we saw Paul having throughout the beginning of the movie, and the middle of the movie were, became reality. And, and, and it, it's, it's kind of cool because at the beginning, you don't know, you know, it looks like he's, he must be tripping. Mm-hmm. But those are the same. Cutscenes. Uh, those cutscenes were the same scenes that, that were taken from later on in the movie. Yeah. We definitely need to find out a standard version, man. <laughs> so he, after taking the, 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 the water of life, he becomes now so powerful, so valuable for these people that um, he is, it, I guess they, the, the people need to protect him. Mm-hmm. So they assign a group of people to protect them, and supposedly is their best fighters, like an elite of warriors. Yeah, and they're painted with red, so they can tell the difference, you know, between you know these are the royal guards. So I think at this point is where the culmination of the movie happens, mm-hmm. where. They're ready to attack. They're ready to take on the planet. And he feels that if they can stop 
the production of the spice production complete stop of the production of the spice mm-hmm. they can force all of the other planets to take control i mean yeah. to listen to them and they can take control of arrakis finally and be free so yeah this is this is a turning point not only for paul but for the entire planet of arrakis yeah and that's the thing i think that that was a smart uh tactic that he had because that way he could force the emperor out of his hiding place yeah yeah and, and you know that that there gives him so much political power if you think about it because whoever controls arrakis and the spice controls the entire galaxy because everybody is a hundred percent dependent on the spice yeah that's that's the thing it became way too dependent on on that substance so it gave him all the power so yeah and and then we come to kind of like the conclusion of the movie where he basically destroys um you know um the harkonnen and because i mean we have the emperor coming in with all the fleets i mean as a matter of fact uh, we know from the movie someone mentioned i'm like how many and that's going to take our entire reserves of soldiers and it's like yeah we're going to just completely annihilate it destroyed everybody in arrakis yeah and that's not what happened mm-hmm. <laughs> and and he's so much powerful that he is actually controlling he 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 actually can use the voice now without the device yeah that's like that's like uh the transcendence point uh, of his transformation you know he's like i can i can kill with just my voice mm-hmm. and, and everybody asks that point when and this is the final scene where he and sting fights and he kills uh sting and he's in the floor um and he just i can't remember if he just yells at him and he cracks in half and the floor also cracks uh, cracks in half and and at that point everybody just looks at him and then around it's like he just did it without the device and it's apparent that everybody kind of like became they're kind of like really shocked and surprised mm-hmm. imagine you never see something like that it's not like the spice could create such thing. Yeah. So looking at that is like something beyond the world, really. And I mean, he is controlling, you know, he already has power of the witch. He has um, taking the, the vision of the spice. Uh, he is taking the water of life and, uh, and thus controlling the worms. I mean, he is the hand of God. Yeah, literally. He makes rain the planet with those rain. Exactly. That's the the most shocking part of it. This planet has never seen rain. Mm-hmm. Although later on we know there was pockets of water, which is apparent. He didn't know this because everybody that has gone to this planet has has to use the suit. But um, this group of people that have lived all their life in the planet has a collection of um, water pockets underneath that they can use. But now we see Paul fully awakened, and he made a rain in Arrakis. Mm-hmm. For the very first time, so I mean, yeah, this this is another iconic movie for you guys. 
Um, for us, for those of you who have seen it, let me know what you think. Um, if you agree with my statement, for the, for those of you that have not seen it, watch go, it. Go watch it. And if if you like sci-fi, you don't know what you're missing out. And and I mean, you can speak more towards that point because uh, you have not seen this movie before. Um, and, and and now you've seen it. I mean, what what is your your opinion? You know, what, what do you think about, you know, uh, as being someone that just recently saw, you saw it just a couple of days ago. Yeah, like, what would be your take <laughs> on the movie uh, as a sci-fi movie? What would be your taste of it? Well, what, is your, what is your take on that movie? I mean, my, my, my take on the movie, that's, it's, it's what I told you. For me, this is a movie that defines what science fiction is today. Uh, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think that there's a lot of things that we're taking from it. Look at it. We're coming with a new version of Doom that is going to come up very soon, too. Oh, yeah. I'm really excited about that. A little bit nervous um, because, you know, how, when they make a reboot of anything, there's also there's a high possibility they can screw it up. Um, it looks like a big promise. So far, what I've seen in the trailers, not only the really good actors in this movie, um, but so far, what I see in the trailers is um, it, it's it's promising. It's very promising. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing I had to admit, though, I, I am um, used to seeing him as Atreides, as Paul Atreides, more deep. To see someone else's face is kind of like I don't know. It's gonna be hard, but it's gonna. We, we gotta give it a chance. No, I, I know this. I, it's just to me, for example, it's very. Uh, it's gonna be odd. To see someone else's taking that that role, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I kind of hope that he does it justice with his acting. But you know, it remains to be seen. It remains to be seen. Yeah. So you guys, let us know. Let's let's start a conversation. Let's um, reach out to us on Twitter at uh, Sci-Fi Random, uh, or um, we do have uh, Discord. Um, Check can... us up in the website. You're gonna see more information about how you can contact us. Yeah. Well, this is the end of the show for now. Please let us know if you like this episode. And if you have any idea about which topics you would like us to discuss in the next episode, let us know. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Remnant. And if you like this podcast, please share it. And rate us on your favorite podcast platforms. This will help us grow. Thank you. See you next time. This is Science Fiction Remnant. Signing off.